0: Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. We're going to finish this. It's like a two-week series on how to raise your parents. Um, So I thought I would start out with this. Um, Funny things parents say and do. Uh, These are personal hand selections from um, my childhood and my upbringing. Uh, So these are things that my parents either said or did to me that I found to be funny. Um, The first thing, my, my dad would say this. He, and he'd use his hand too. He'd say, I've had it up to here with you. Anybody else, their parents say that, like they say, I've, I've had it up to here. But my dad would always go like, here. And you know me, I was kind of sarcastic. I was like, dad, why is it here? Is it, like, does that mean I have this much more to go? Like, is that like a challenge? Like, can I go from here to here? You know, so, so, so I always kind of thought that was funny. He didn't think that was funny. Um, the next thing um, that, that they said, which was kind of equally, you know, funny, my, this would be my mom. How many times do I have to tell you so then I would proceed to tell my mom how many times she would have to tell me. Uh, and she didn't like that, and that usually ended up with me being grounded. Or when I was younger, when I did that, that ended up with the rod of correction being applied to my seat of learning, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, you know, you, you follow me on this one. This next one is, is I, this maybe was just a my mom thing, but I've heard other people say this too. Um, this is when I would, was leaving and driving. I don't know if any, has anyone's parents told them this? Am I the only, so so Laura and I, okay, we got a couple. Um, Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you get in a car accident. And I would always reply with, mom, if I'm in a car accident, dirty underwear is the least of my problems, right? Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. And then you got to tell me if your parents did this to you, this is kind of, I don't think this is a, a dad thing. I think this is a mom thing. But when you were, this is when you were a little kid. Would your mom, when you'd have something on your face or was this just me, my mom would lick her hand to get her hand, dare I say the M word, moist. Sorry, Victoria. You know, she'd lick her hand, get her hand moist, and she'd wipe like the peanut butter off my face. I was like, thanks, Mom. I'm so much cleaner now that your saliva is smeared to my face. You know, so but I'm sure your parents have some interesting things that they do, the things that you find to be funny. And what I would do with a lot of these things is I would say, when I have a kid, I'm never going to say that to my kids. You know what I said to Addison the other day? I was like, Addison, I've had it up to here with you. Thankfully, she's not sarcastic like I was. Um, And she just cried, and then I felt bad. Uh, (laughs) So, but here's the funny thing. The things that you think that your parents do, and you're like, I'm never going to do that, that's so weird, you're going to, I promise you, you're going to end up doing that. How many of y'all have found yourself saying something that your dad said? you're like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I said that. That's going sound like my dad, you know, or your, your mom, right? So, so, so here's the funny thing. Because parents, when, when, when you become a parent, I learned this. We talked about this last week. Parent, when you, when you have a baby and the baby comes out, an instruction manual does not come out with it. Like, they don't send you from the hospital with an instruction manual when you have a kid. You are on your own. A high school, I told you last week about changing my first diaper and how, like, stressful that was because no, I had no idea how to do it. So, so your parent, and this is the thing I told you: you, you, your parents that maybe they won't admit to this, but I'll admit to this as a parent. Like I really don't have any idea what I'm doing; I just react, and I do my best, and I I read the Bible, and I talk to people that may know more than than I do, and then I find out they don't. Um, But you know, your parents are kind of learning on the fly. But here's the thing: you don't think about you're kind of learning on the fly how to have parents and how to and this is the name of our series, How to Raise Your Parents. Our verse for this series is Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1, for this little mini-series. It's Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1. It says, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. So as I was reading this, I can't remember who it was. One of you all asked me, too, like, why is it that the dad is glad and the mother is full of sorrow? Like, why is that? Is that fair? The more I got to thinking about it, Who's the hard, who, usually, sometimes it's different in different families, the dad is usually the hardest one to impress. Like, I mean, you, you could do something ridiculously easy and your mom be like, oh my goodness, that's just so great. You go, honey. You do you. And your dad's like, "Huh, I did that better when I was in school. I'm kind of like that with Addison sometimes. So it's hard to impress your dad. And it, it's also really hard, maybe, maybe your house, it's reversed, but you know, for me, really hard to make your mom so upset or so sorrowful that she just totally gives up on you? You know, they say like a mother's love, like indoors forever. And, you know, I found that to be true in my family too, and maybe you have too. So think about this. This verse shows the extent of the influence that you can have on your parents. You have so much influence that you could make your dad glad. And the flip side of that is you can live such a foolish or terrible life and have such a bad relationship with your parents that you can make your mom the way this is actually like in the original translated you can make your mom sorry she had you that's literally what that means that's the, like, that, that's the strength of the Hebrew in that so there's this huge range look at the person next to you and say I got the power, got the power. now say it now say it the way it's supposed to be said say I got the power okay Listen, listen, listen. Now that, now that I've got you totally out of control, okay, so come on back in, come back in, come back in. This is what I mean. You may not realize this, and your parents are the ones that are responsible for raising you, and of course they're in charge, but you have a responsibility towards your parents too, and the way that you act can change, it can change the culture in your house, and it can change your relationship with your parents because relationships are a two-way street. So last week, we talked about building trust. And I used, we used an object lesson that a lot of people said looked like it belonged in a frat house. Um, so today, we're just sticking with the chalkboard. And I'm going to be writing some notes for you on the chalkboard. Uh, so if, you, if you're a slow rider, you can still see them on there even as we advance the slides. So it, um, tonight, what we're, last week, we talked about choices. Tonight, we're going to... Or last week, we talked about trust. Tonight, we're going to talk about how you can make choices... To raise your parents and how you can, listen to this correctly, you can win with your parents. I didn't say win against your parents, like you versus your parents and ha, I won. How you and your parents together can win. So if you have your Bible, open up to Philippians chapter 2. Some of you know my Bible got destroyed at drop-in night. Uh, It's really sad. I'm using my old one right now. I've got a new one that I'm kind of getting like stretched out, ready to go. Um, so I'm I'm a little kind of clumsy flipping around right now, so just bear with me. Um, But Philippians was written. I think you've got a lot in common with the writer of Philippians. Uh, Philippians was written in jail by a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul. Um, Some of you have told me that you feel like you're in jail at home because you can only get on your phone at certain times, or you have to be in by a certain time. So you feel like you're in a prison. Well, the Apostle Paul was in an actual prison. He wrote it in jail, and the theme of this book, the theme of Philippians, is learning to have peace and contentment in every situation. And tonight what we're going to learn is how to have peace and contentment with your parents. So if Paul can be peaceful and contentful in jail, you're going to try to learn to be peaceful and contentful And have a relationship with your parents. So we've kind of got this blocked into three sections. I'm going to get my chalk out. Do you even chalk? So we're going to have three sections tonight. Of Philippians. All right. Y'all ready to rock and roll? Here we go. There are three things that talk about God's plan for you and your parents in this, in, in this set of verses. And here's the first one that we're going to look at. It's be together, and the verse is right on there, ready to go. God's plan for you and your parents is to be together. Let's read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. And this is what it says. Hey, guys, we're up here, okay? Therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort in His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in Spirit and one of mind. You know me. I highlight my Bible. I circle my Bible. I try to see common themes. And what's so interesting in this verse, I've got it shaded. I've got it in yellow. God's plan for us and for people, he's speaking to Christians, but as you go down in the, in, in the passage, what you realize is he applies this to all relationships. Verse 5, we see he applies it to all relationships, that God's plan for us and our parents is for us to be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. God's plan is for you and your parents to be together. Now, I got to give you kind of a caveat here. Some of you, you can't be together with your parents because your dad lives here and your mom lives here, and you spend some time at your dad's and you spend some time at your mom's. And the point of this is not necessarily that you all are supposed to. I mean, God's plan is for families to stay, stay together, and I know things happen, but the point of this verse isn't for everybody to be in the same house. The point is for everybody to be on the same page, to be in the same spirit. Do you ever feel like you live in your fa- like you and in, in, in your family with you and your mom and your dad, maybe a sibling, your Three or four totally different people living on totally different planets. You don't get your parents, your parents don't get you. you know, every once in a while, you'll descend from your throne to eat dinner when you get hungry with your family, and that's it. God's plan is for families, for you to be together with your parents. And I know some of you, you know, maybe you, you can't do that because one of your parents isn't in the picture. Yeah. You know, your mom's no longer in the picture or your dad is no longer in, your pic, in the picture. For some of you, you don't have regular contact with either of your parents. What I would encourage you to do is, and I see this in some of your lives, embrace that parent figure who's in your life. If you live with your grandparents and they've, they've taken like a real interest in you and, the, and the, they're, they're taking care of you embrace that and be together with them. If, if you've got like a, a, step, a stepmom or a stepdad who has kind of like come into your family and added like a lot of stability to your family, be thankful for that and embrace that and be together with them. So God's plan is for you, first is for you and your parents to be together. I have really good handwriting, by the way. I just wanted to let you know that, okay? So yeah, thank you. Um, So God's plan, I'll get you in a second, Daniel, okay? God's plan is for our parents and us to be together, to be like-minded, to be one. The next thing that God's plan is for us and our parents to be, once we're together, is we're supposed to be selfless. Why is it so hard to be selfless in 2016? It's because of something... that we call a selfie, right? Because nobody cares about anyone else. They care about themselves. All of our pictures on Instagram make us look the best. We don't care if we post a picture where our friend looks like a dump truck, you know, but, but as long as we look good, right, because we're all about ourselves. Look at this verse and apply this to your relationship with your parents. It says, do nothing out of ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. This is, this is so... When I say anti-American, I love America, I love our, like what our country was founded on, but I think we strayed a very far distance from that, and this is one of the areas we strayed. In humility, value others above yourself. We don't see that much anymore, do we? We see, I'll take care of myself, and then if I have any time left, I'll take care of other people. Value others above yourself, not looking for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. What would that be like if you looked out for your parents' interests? What's it like when everybody's looking out for their own interests? You may not know this about me, but I kind of self-identify as a redneck. Um, And part of that is I love NASCAR. Anybody else out there love NASCAR? Me and my buddies, me and my buddies, yeah. Dale Earnhardt, he's he's my ride or die. Um, But uh, he died. (laughs) So then I was following Dale Earnhardt Jr. He's retiring, so I don't know who I'm gonna follow now. No, never. Anyway, anyway, I was at Charlotte Motor Speedway getting ready for a big, 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 big race. And the race got rained out. I mean, everybody's in the stands ready to go, you know. It was like 90 degrees, and then the rain came. They had to postpone the race till the next day. So everybody at the same time leaves to go get out of the parking lot. I sat in my truck. We took my truck. I sat in my truck for three hours. Literally, I was the first car in an aisle and people kept going by and kept going by. And my friends were like, surely somebody's gonna let me out. Surely, until all the, we were like the front of the parking lot and all the cars from the back of the parking lot went through. I sat in there for three hours, went through a half a tank of gas idling because we didn't want to be hot. (laughs) So we ran the air conditioner. I really had to go to the bathroom. There's nowhere to, it was terrible. But that's so indicative of how we are. We don't look out for anybody but ourselves. Do we do that sometimes in our relationships with our parents? We, you, you maybe kind of get the idea that maybe your mom or your dad doesn't have your best interest at heart, like Satan plants that idea in your mind, and you think, my parents aren't looking out for me, so therefore I'm not going to look out for my parents. You stop looking out for your parents, and your parents are like, man, they're really not looking out for me. Um, so things between you get kind of dicey and icy, and then you're like, oh, yeah, my parents really don't care about me now. And it's this circle, and it goes down and down and down and down. What it takes is for one person to say, you know what? I'm going to start caring about how my mom's doing. I'm going to start caring about how my dad's doing. This amazing thing happen- happens. And this isn't just with parents. This is with all your relationships. Once you start taking an interest in somebody and meeting their needs, all of a sudden they start meeting your needs. And what I've learned is, if I'm only concerned about my needs, there's one person concerned about my needs, and it's me. But if I'm concerned about the needs of others, this thing starts happening. You start collecting this posse of people, because that's attractive. And I don't mean like, bam, chicka, wow, wow, attractive. I mean it's like attractive. You know, pe- people, people, you know, people want to be around you because you take care of people, and all of a sudden you've got this posse, and where it was just you trying to take care of your need, now it's, you got two parents that are meeting your needs. That works in friendships, too. Now you've got four friends that are taking care of your needs. What's better, one person taking care of your needs or four people taking care of your needs? That's, that's how God's math works. So value others above yourself. Can you honestly say you value your parents above yourself? That's a tough one. And So we got to write that one. Number two, we're supposed to be selfless. You want me to run my nails across this chalkboard? No. Um third one. Third one. Let's go to the next slide. Um, Here's the third thing that God's plan is for us and our parents. I'll just go ahead and write it down. The third one. Be, well, you should be good, but you should be Christ-like. Look at verse five. It says, in your relationships with one another, That applies to all relationships. We're applying this specifically to parents. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus. Whoa. Look at the person next to you and say, Wow. Wow. Now look, now look at him and say it upside down. Mom, right? Okay. So in your relationship, that's a biggie, right? That we're supposed to, in all relationships, but also in relationships with our parents, have the same mindset as Jesus. Well, what was Jesus' mindset? Well, it's really helpful because if you have your Bible, you can just look at the next like, five verses, and it tells you what Jesus' mindset is. It's not on the screens, but I'm going to read it for you. It says, Jesus was in the very nature of God, but did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, so he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what do we see here? We see integrity. Jesus, he was God, right? So he could have done anything. I mean, he could have made all the Pharisees turn blue just so he could laugh at them, right? Jesus could have manipulated people with his own power, but he didn't you guys know you have the power to manipulate your parents, right? You know you can get your mom's face to get red as a beet in like two seconds, right? Jesus had power too, but did Jesus use his power for his own personal gain? No. He used it to bless others. So maybe you use your power to where something about being a parent, your emotions are all tied up in your kid. You can use, so as, as, as a teenager, you can use your power to bless your mom, bless your dad. So that's having the same attitude as Jesus. We also see he was a servant. It said that he took on the very nature of a servant. So does that mean you're supposed to be like Cinderella washing the floors for your wicked stepmother? That's not exactly, you know, that's our idea of servant. Servant means you're concerned about meeting the needs of others. So what needs of your parents can you help meet? And then Jesus was humble. He didn't let pride get in the way. Jesus was the most humble person. It says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Humbling yourself means you're willing to submit yourself to God's mission for your family. Did you know God has a plan for your family? Even though your family may be weird, even though your family may be not like the typical American family, God still has a plan for your family. So what are three, so we we talked about the three sections of this verse. So the big question is, how do we live this verse out? How do we live this out? How can we make the right choices? The first thing is we've got to choose our words wisely. I wrote down some ways that words can be used as daggers towards your parents. Not because I want you to learn these and use these, but because I think you guys maybe use something to this effect pretty often. So let me read some of these to you. Why don't you ever understand anything I tell you? You're so stupid. I'm just using, is anybody in here named Jimmy? I just put Jimmy as our test subject. Jimmy's mom lets him do this. Why can't you be more like Jimmy's mom? Why can't you be a normal parent for once? I hate you. I can't wait to move out of this house. You know, you may say it, and you know you don't mean it, and it doesn't, you don't think a thing about it, but I can tell you now, Those words are like a dagger into the heart of your parents. We talked a couple weeks ago about the use of our words, and the choice that you make with your words is, am I going to use my words to build up my family, or am I going to use my words to tear down my family? You make that choice. Another choice that we make is the choice of our attitude, The choice of our attitude, and when I say attitude, I mean, are you grateful or are you ungrateful? I looked this up. Did you know the cost it takes from birth to high school graduation to raise a middle class person from birth to adulthood? $200,000. So like, what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So think about this. Think about, first off, Think about the value that's in this room right now, just numerically. Like, what? We've been having like 80, 90 people, so what's like, let's just say 80, it's easy. What's 80 times 200,000? Two, a lot, a million dollars. So, 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 so it's a lot, right? So, so think about this. Think about this. One of the first things we can be grateful for, even though money's kind of ridiculous, we can be grateful for the fact that your parents are making a financial sacrifice to keep you alive. 16 million right here in the seats. How many of y'all raise your hand if you're glad to be alive tonight? So now you should go home and thank your parents because probably 95% of the meals you've eaten have been on your parents' dime. But you wanna know what's even more important than the money your parents have invested in you? This thing happened when you, were not, you, about, when you were about nine months old. You get up at three in the morning with a blowout, diarrhea, poopy diaper. And your dad was walking through the hall like this, trying to find your room. And he changed that disgusting diaper, wiped you down, put you in a new set of PJs, laid with you for an hour until you fell back asleep. But then he got up and he worked so he could take care of you. The question is, what's your attitude towards your parents? Do we really value our parents? So, this is kind of corny. I'm not suggesting you give this to your parents, although you, they would probably make their year. When you go home, when you go home, write down a couple things that you're glad your parents have done for you over the course of your life. If you want to be really super sappy, like if you're right at that point where you want your parents to buy you a car, you may want to like give them the list so you can really butter them up. But the point is not to butter your parents up. The point is so that you can be thankful for your parents. So the next thing, um, that we give our parents, if we want to live this verse out, is, is, is the attitude of our heart. You know what I know to be true about parents being one? Parents are not perfect. Um, parents mess up. Um, maybe some of you have parents that have messed up in a big way, like, 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 like a big way, and everybody knows it. And You know know God's plan is for you you and your parents to be together and for you to reconcile with your parents, but you just can't do that right now. You learn the peace that comes to your heart when you forgive. Uh, Forgiveness doesn't mean you let someone off the hook for what they did. Forgiveness doesn't mean you invite someone back to the point where they had in your life to where they can hurt you again. But what forgiveness means is I'm no longer holding what they did against them. Because when I hold something against them and I have bitterness in my life, it poisons me more than it does the other person. So maybe your parent, you need to forgive your parents for something they did. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness from your parents for something you did. What I've learned is my relationship, my vertical relationship between me and God is never where it needs to be if I've got unresolved things in my horizontal relationships with people, and then the final thing, and this may be the hardest one um, that we live this out, is that we exercise faith when it comes to our family. If you have your Bible with you, this isn't on the on on the screen. Keep, if if you keep reading in this section, it says in verse twelve. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence but much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. God is working in your life, and the purpose, I want you to hear this, God's working in your life, and the purpose of his working is a good purpose. If, uh, if I had Addison with me, and, she, and we were at the zoo, because she loves to go to the zoo, and it was like 95 bajillion degrees outside. She hadn't had water all day. We finally get to somewhere where we can get a drink, and she wants a Mountain Dew. And I'm like, first off, Addison, you never drink Mountain Dew because you go crazy. But the second reason is you need water because you need to be hydrated. I don't want you to dehydrate. She asks for the Mountain Dew, but I give her the water, and she's all ticked off at me. Was I being a good father to her? Did she understand what I was doing? Sometimes we ask, God, why in the world did you put me in this crazy family? Why didn't you put me in a normal family? Like, I don't know, who here has a normal family? None of us, right? Why didn't you put me in a normal family like Dylan's family? You gave me this crazy family. Listen to this. Don't miss out on this. God has a plan for your family, and it's a good plan. God has a plan for your life, and it's a good plan. By making these choices, what we do with our words, our attitude, our heart, and our faith, we can win with our parents. Some of you want to win against your parents and you want to score a victory against them. But nobody wins in a family when one person loses. So, what are you going to do with these choices? You're going to start winning with your parents. You're going to build this relationship back up. You do have the power to raise your parents. You can change the atmosphere in your home by being obedient to God and what he tells you to do in your relationships. So let's pray, and then we're going to get into TAG. So uh, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes. Um, Let's pray. Father, I pray that um, we'll be able to see you working in our families. Um, Usually... Our, our day-to-day is so defined by chaos, um, by stress, and that causes us to be short with people in our family, especially parents. Uh, so, Father, I pray that you'll work through our relationships. Um, I specifically pray for the students, the teens in here, who have a broken relationship with their mom or a broken relationship um, with their father. God, I pray that through what they learn from your word, um, that... They'll change their posture towards that parent. Um, that maybe down the road, um, you'll bring reconciliation. God, thank you for people that have stepped into the lives of teenagers who, they're not parents, but they've become parent figures in their life. I pray that they'll know just how important they are. God, I pray that each teen will understand the value of the parent figures that are in their life. The investment they, that they made. And God, I pray that you'll give them wisdom as they try to raise their parents, as their parents raise them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.